Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. My name's Lauren LaGrasso, and this show is meant to help you make creativity the filter for your life, redefine your relationship with fear by taking it out of the driver's seat, step more fully into the essence of who you are, and claim your right to have a dream and take up space. And today's guest has some amazing tips on how to do all of the above. Her name is Jill Winterstein. She's also known as Spirit Daughter. She's an entrepreneur, author, blogger, neuroscientist, yoga teacher, and astrologer. She's best known as a founder of Spirit Daughter, which is a social media presence, online community, and more directly, a practice that involves aligning with the moon, astrology, soul healing, empowerment, and getting clear about what our true purpose is in life. I wanted to have Jill on the show because her journey to claiming her creativity is really inspiring. Here's a girl who is reading college textbooks on psychology at age 16 and asking, what makes human beings conscious? What is consciousness? And this curiosity led to studying neuroscience at Johns Hopkins University and pursuing a doctoral degree. However, in the midst of that doctoral program, she gave it all up. And not with like a big answer or opportunity waiting on the other side. All she knew was that she needed to start over and reignite her inner child and her passion for life itself. So it's a real story of bravery and choosing yourself that I think that you can definitely learn from. I know I did. From our conversation, you'll also learn how to use astrology to enhance your creativity, the power of curiosity, how to grow and scale a business, how to deal with other people's judgment when you choose yourself, why knowing yourself is key to success, how getting in touch with the cycles of the moon can better your life, mantras for manifestation, how to set your price and build your self-worth, and so much more. Oh, one more thing. So we recorded this episode back in July, and we talked a lot about the new moon being in Cancer. That was specific to that time. I believe the new moon is actually now in Leo. So just so you know, (laughs) wouldn't want to spread any astrological rumors. All right. So with that said, now here she is, the incredible Jill Winterstein. Jill, thank you so much for being on the show. What some people don't know is before we start, if it's somebody that I'm talking to that doesn't have an explicitly traditionally super creative career, such as like a singer or a painter, a lot of times before I start the show, I will just check in with them to make sure that we're on the same page and they also consider themselves to be creative. So I asked you that and you said you actually have a really interesting story about it. So I'd love to hear it. Uh, I guess, you know, really my story is um, I do consider myself a creative now. And even more so, I try and weave creativity into the way I present astrology. So things like design is really, really important to us. You know, we spend hours on like marketing emails to make them design forward. The designs of the workbooks that I create, really, really important. And so, you know, the traditional sense of creativity, which we think of as like art and design and um, creating an aesthetic, evoking people's, you know, right brain versus left brain, if you want to go there, you know, it may not always be in like traditional astrology that might just be text, but I really try and infuse it into everything that I do with Spirit Daughter. Uh, And the interesting part is, is that for years of my life, I did not consider myself a creative person. 
at all because I was in research and I was head down in data and spreadsheets and like this very logical left-brained world I lived in. And I used to tell people like, oh, I'm not creative. I just stare at numbers all day. <laughs> well, yeah, I want to talk about this because you started your career as a neuroscientist. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I am traditionally trained in. in psychology. Tell me about it. So like you're this, I mean, now we've claimed it. You're this super creative person and it comes through in everything you do. It's kind of the filter for your life. But what was the impetus to choose neuroscience and how did that particular study affect you and your worldview? Uh, I got into neuroscience, you know, in college um, and I started out so pre, pre-college when I was, you know, 15, 16, I got into astrology. I was very into astrology. I basically was into anything that would help me understand consciousness. So my focus pretty much since I was a teenager, a young teenager, was consciousness and understanding like what, what makes us human, you know, what makes us these conscious beings that have feelings and emotions, uh, you know, what is consciousness? It's something that is still not defined to this day by anybody. And it really just fascinated me. And so I got into astrology and I got into psychology. And so, you know, psychology became something I was studying. I was reading college textbooks when I was 16 years old on psychology. And so I went to school um, for psychology and I just ended up in this path that led me to neuroscience because I was, I was searching for the answer of consciousness. What is consciousness? What makes us conscious? How can we define this? And, and, you know, I went down a rabbit hole that led me uh, through, through a, a major in, in psychology, um, studies in anthropology. I minored in anthropology and philosophy. So, you know, I went in that direction. And then I landed in neuroscience. I landed with uh, trying to understand the actual brain mechanisms that create consciousness and studying them from an objective point of view. And then that's what I went on to pursue in my master's uh, program. You know, I followed that track. Um, I pursued a doctoral degree as well, which I did not complete. Um, I ended up studying uh, neuroscience at Hopkins. I was at Hopkins, and that's when I left the field. I just this. I just woke up one day. <laughs> I woke up one day and I said, "You know, what? I'm tired of staring at spreadsheets." <laughs> felt like it, not that it didn't matter anymore, but I felt like I had gotten so far away from the 16 year old who wanted to study mm. consciousness and understand human experience is so far away. And that, and that happens to, I think a lot of people, especially in research and especially on this high level where I was at, I was on a very one, one view track of like, I'm going to do this next. I'm going to do this next. I'm going, you know, this is where I'm going to get my fellowship. This is where I'm going to, you know, eventually become a professor. Like I was in that, that mentality of, of climbing the ladder. And I jumped off. <laughs> I jumped off the okay. ladder. <laughs> I want to keep going on this, but I think it's a really important point that you're making that so many of us, we're on this really straightforward track, right? And we hear this knocking at our soul's gate from our little younger self saying, hey, do you remember me? Do you remember right. me? And so many people are hearing that knocking, but they just keep pushing that younger self further and further down. Luckily, you said one day you woke up and it was just clear and you couldn't choose that path anymore. But for those people who are still in the method or in the moment of pushing that little person, younger self down, what would be your advice to them on how to start to listen? 
to start to listen in any sense, you know, we have to still ourselves and we have to, um, because our life, especially when you're in that kind of mode, um, where you're getting from one place where you're climbing that ladder, uh, it's hard to just find some stillness to think. And, uh, you know, our world becomes busy and filled with these like to-do lists and mm-hmm. these achievements and these goals we want to meet. And it can be very hard just to kind of like break away and detach from these things, which actually really serve as distractions when we, when we look at them objectively. It's like we end up distracting ourselves with our to-do list and our, and our goal setting. Which goals are, can be very, very good. I'm not, you know, bashing goals, but when they're just leading you from like one point to the next point and next point, and we never stop to like consider, is this what I really want? You know, they can be really distracting and they can be really limiting to us. And so, you know, the first, the first advice is just like slow down. Just slow down, medit- start meditating, start journaling, um, start, you know, creating space where you can you know, step back from the immersion that we all have in our busy lives, right? Step back from that and see if what you're doing is what you you really want. And, you know, check in regularly. You know, that's one of the reasons why I love working with the moon. It's like new moon every month. Check in with yourself. Like, maybe you don't want to follow the moon. Maybe you just want to, on the first, on the first, you know, day of every month or on the 17th day of every month, you know, check in, check in with yourself. Is this what I want? Is this the track I want to continue following? So that's the most important thing for me is just to create that space. Right. So you wake up one day, you're like, I need to get back to this mystical creature that I was as a young babe. How did you start doing that? What was the first step? Uh, I left my doctoral program was the first step. (laughs) (laughs) Which everybody in my life thought I was crazy. How did you deal with that kind of reception from everybody in your life? um, I did not deal with it initially very well. I, I caved myself in. I stopped kind of talking to a lot of people. including my yeah. parents. Um, you yeah, I had a fellowship. I was supported. I was on full grants. Like, I mean, I, you know, and I left it all. And, um, and you know, I, the first three months were really, really, really difficult. Um, I was under a, a lot of stress, but not external stress, internal stress, or I just woke up in a panic every day. Like, what, what am I doing with my life? Like, what am I doing? How am I supporting myself? What am I doing? You know? And it was really, really scary. And that's, that's actually when I started um, a path in yoga because I, I mean, I, I lost so much, not through yoga, but from stress, I lost like so much weight. I was like making myself sick from not knowing what I was going to do next because I was on this like track and I, you know, always had these things that, that I was trying to achieve. And without them, I didn't know who I was anymore. I knew that that was the wrong path for me, but I also didn't know what, what I wanted. And it took me years. It took me years to figure out what I wanted next. Um, but to help me, I started doing yoga like twice a day. I was, I mean, I did like 10 classes a week. I found, I was living in Philly. I found a studio I loved and I would go in the morning and I would go in the afternoon. (laughs) I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I knew that when I was in yoga and I was breathing and I was feeling my body, I felt good and I felt calm and I felt in control of my life. And I felt like I could figure out what it was that I really wanted. 
Um, and so yoga became this like vehicle for me to help to find myself again. Oh, I love that. You know, it's so interesting you bring that up because I was just talking to a friend of mine and I've been doing yoga for the past month and I, I go in and out of it many times in my life. I'm not someone who's ever really had a super steady practice, but I posed this question and like, I, I don't know why, but I feel like every time I get back engaged with my yoga practice, I just become a better person or like I'm kinder to myself and others. It, what do you think it is about yoga that allows us to give ourselves and others more grace? Well, I think it is that that space it creates for us to uh, feel our breath, to feel our body, to connect to our entire self, including our entire energetic body. When we go into meditation or breath work or yoga, it delays that that reaction response, right? So, so many of us are like, you know, A happens, we do B, you know, and and it's immediate. It's like this immediate cause and effect reaction that we have most of the time. It's just how we operate. Um, and with yoga and meditation, it pr- it provides space between you know A happening, and then there's some space, and then B our response. And in that space. Uh, we can find compassion. We can, you know, maybe change our conditioned response. We can change what we normally would do. We can think about, you know, is this really how I want to act? And we can just infuse that that space with a different energy so that then, you know, we react differently. And then, you know, those reactions help define, you know, us and how we feel, right? So instead of like reacting angrily and then we feel, you know, anger for the rest of the day or frustration for the rest of the day, we, we have that space to take a breath and say, okay, you know, maybe I can see this in a different way and not feel so angry. And then it changes our whole day because we didn't, react in an angry manner to one instance. Yeah. And then there was something else you brought up that I think is really important. And that is, you know, the shaming that you got from saying that you were going to choose yourself. And I think that that is one of the key reasons why a lot of people don't end up going towards something that they feel called for, or even just making a small change because they're afraid of that kind of reception. For you, it was not talking to some of the people that had done that to you, you know, engaging in a yoga practice, giving yourself more space. If somebody's in a similar situation right now where they chose themselves, but they are kind of being exiled by certain people in their lives because of that choice, what would be your advice to them? You know, I think my approach, which was hiding, basically, was not the healthiest choice. I'd say, I think, you know, being now 15 years older and looking back, I would have told myself or anybody else in that situation to, you know, try, try to have an open communication when everybody is calm with, Mm -hmm. you know, friends and family and, you know, and just try and convey in a way like, look, I, I really need your support right now. I'm going through a hard time. I understand that, you know, you're disappointed, but, you know, I feel lost or, I feel like um, I need some direction or I know in my soul, this is not the right thing for me. I perhaps I'll change my mind later down the road, but I really, really could, you know, I really appreciate your support right now. And, you know, I wish I had been the type of person that was able to have those types of communication with people back then. I just didn't have the tools or the resources to communicate my needs properly to the people who, who loved me because, you know, they did love me. I mean, my parents, um, I have a great relationship with them and they wanted to support me, but they were just in shock 
and, you know, and and I didn't know I didn't have the tools to communicate with them and to really ask for what I needed at that time. And so that would be my advice to people going through that now is to, to take the time for themselves to really think about what they need and what they can ask for in terms of support from the people who, who want to support them, um, who want to help them. And to, to understand that, that, you know, for me, my, my journey, the shame came from within. I was shaming myself uh, in a lot of ways. And, and a lot of it was like projecting it onto these people in my life who were concerned and probably for, for valid reasons. You know, I, I just all abruptly one day I was like, I'm leaving everything. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that it's extreme, but if you had done it in a smaller way, do you think you ever would have come to the place where you are today or did it have to be that extreme for you? For me, it had to be that extreme. And I do support extreme extreme changes um, that people make in their lives, uh, having gone through something like that myself. I just needed to like cut all ties. And I even remember um, one of my mentors like calling me after I left my doctoral program and was like, okay, maybe you can do this instead. Like maybe you can just do this um, year mentorship with me, come back to this lab and, and we'll do this instead. And, and I had often thought like, what would have happened if I would have taken her up on that? and stayed in the field, but in a different capacity. Uh, I'm really happy I didn't. Um, but, you know, that would have been sort of like a lesser extreme way of doing what I did. Um, but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have severed the tie uh, with that part of my life. And I wouldn't have ended up where I am now. Yeah. So I do think it had to be extreme. And, you know, the people in my life, they eventually understood. They eventually got it. You know, it just took some time. And I, I wasn't in the right frame of mind to like explain it properly either, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. You have to know yourself too. You knew yourself enough to know that you had to basically start a whole new life in order to do what you needed to do to achieve your soul's purpose. Some people need to go more in steps, but that's really important. It's an, a thing that you have to really be intuitive with yourself to know whether or not you are the kind of person who kind of needs to baby step it or you just need to like jump into the ocean. Right. Um, so during this time, okay, you're doing yoga, you're creating a new life for yourself, you're finding ways to give yourself grace even though you're confused and just like <laughs> feeling wobbly. How are you supporting yourself during this time? Uh, I started te I started teaching yoga classes. I did so much yoga. My teacher pulled me aside and she said, you know, I think you should do a teacher training. I had some savings saved up that I was living off of, you know, and I had a boyfriend at the time who helped me when I needed it, which was great. You know, I always had a really good, um, I don't know if it's luck or coincidence or serendipity of finding the right mentors at the right time. And so the yoga studio that I was going to twice a day, the teacher pulled me aside one day and was like, have you ever thought about doing a teacher training? I'm, you know, hosting one. It's four weeks long. It starts next week. You know, I think you're, I think you'd be a great candidate for it. Um, and I never in a million years thought of myself as a yoga teacher. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I knew that once I did the training, 
I would be able to teach classes and make some money um, and also be able to still figure out what I wanted to do. That's the beauty of teaching yoga is it's not a full-time job. Um, and, you know, one can make relatively decent money, um, especially, you know, in Philly at the time um, versus, you know, LA where I later moved, which obviously is a different price bracket. Um, you know, it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, um, you know, it, it, it opened it up. It allowed me to do more yoga. It allowed me to start attending yoga classes for free at the studio, which was great. And then, you know, teach yoga classes while figuring out what else I wanted to do with my life. So it was perfect. And it wasn't anything that I seeked. It was just something I received. You know, she spotted me and she was like, look, this, this is, I have this offer for you. Do you want to do it? I love that. Yeah. And then when did the astrology piece come in? So the astrology piece <laughs> weaved its way back into my life. So I spent probably about not quite 10 years, probably eight years teaching yoga. It was one of those things where I, I became really good at it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I ended up moving to LA, studying with people here, studying with some of the, you know, great yoga teachers here. I studied Chinese medicine. I thought I wanted to become an acupuncturist for a long time. I became fascinated with Chinese medicine, I allowed my curiosity to take over. Um, and I am really grateful for that teacher for pulling me aside because yoga and teaching classes was able to support me through exploring and experimenting um, with, you know, other things I could possibly do with my life. And so, you know, I started, I studied anatomy and I studied Chinese medicine and, you know, I started doing a, pri a private practice. So I basically ended my yoga career at all private clients. And in working with these private clients, I started weaving in everything I knew, including astrology. And so, you know, the sessions, um, it became, you know, Chinese medicine, we're working with this, we're working with astrology, and we're working with birth charts, and became this like blend of, of everything that I had done to that point in my life. And then I also started teaching new moon circles. And it was funny, because I uh, ended up I had a great roommate, I had an amazing roommate. And she really opened my eyes. She was younger, she's 12 years younger than me. And she came into my room one day, I'll never forget it. And she was like, so the new moon's tomorrow. Is there anything I can do for the new moon? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, there's tons of stuff. Like, let's have a new moon ceremony, you know, in our living room. And we brought out our candles and our tea and wrote down our intentions. And, then, you know, I taught her about all these new moon practices that I had had done myself for years and I had known about it and followed. but until she walked in my room, I had no idea that like people, people were, cared. Were, people cared. Yeah. People cared. <laughs> For those that don't know what this kind of new moon circle could even mean, could you give them kind of a rough layman's term outline of what you mean by doing a new moon circle or a new moon practice? Yeah. So a new moon practice or circle um, you do on the new moon, uh, the new moon marks the start of a lunar cycle. Uh, and so it's the beginning. It's a fresh start every month. And um, and so it's a really powerful time to sit down with yourself, create some space, check in with what you want, 
um, you know, see if what you're doing uh, matches your desires, matches, you know, what's in your soul, what's in your intuitive knowledge base. And then, you know, set intentions. It's a great time to set intentions and, you know, write down your visions, write down what you want to see your, your life unfold as. Um, and it might be, you know, if you love your life, you may just enhance it with your visions. Um, but if you want to change your life, you can create visions that help call in change um, and that help just create, you know, getting back to that creativity piece, create a vision of seeing the life that you want to live and then holding that vision, holding that vision as you're holding space and allowing yourself to, to receive events that will help build that vision in your life. It, it opens it opens you up to receiving things. And really it's like just noticing, right? Noticing, oh, I, I want my life to be like this. And then, you know, the next couple of days, you're like, oh, you notice a person or you notice um, something that can can help you, you know, build build your life. You're expanding your consciousness, you're expanding your consciousness to include um, true vision. And so the new moon, because of the alignment of the moon and the sun, and the start of the lunar cycle just becomes a really potent time to create those visions and set those intentions. Mm -hmm. And it does give you that space and you can do it. It can be, you know, I, I tell people like I've done this everywhere from like on a plane, you know, in my plane seat, writing down in my journal, like it's the new moon to having like an elaborate circle where, you know, I have candles and crystals and everything to facilitate people, you know, you can gather your friends or your community uh, to support you. You know, you answer journaling prompts, um, maybe pull cards, you know, you get out your favorite card deck, affirmation deck and pull cards or have a sound bath. You know, they're, they're great to incorporate in a new moon circle. So it can be super simple. You on a plane or, you know, in your room or, you know, and it can be very, very elaborate. But the point is, is that you're, you're giving yourself that space to, to create your visions. Mm, I love that. And so I know it was around this time when you've been practicing uh, yoga and, and doing private practice for some time, I think around eight years, you said that mm -hmm. you started to get this kind of intuitive hit that you were supposed to expand. And again, you followed your intuition and I read in your bio, you let yourself travel the world. Mm -hmm. How did you like propel yourself into what you're doing today with Spirit Daughter? Well, I was working you know, in yoga and I had a great yoga practice and I decided that I wanted to create a business that was scalable. I learned about business <laughs> basically. And I wanted to create something that, cause I, I watched myself with, you know, these 20 people a week that I was working with one-on-one -on -one. I watched how their lives were changing and their perspectives were changing and their world was changing. And I wanted to be able to do that on a larger level. I wanted to scale that. I wanted to scale the knowledge that I had that I was giving to these people that I was giving to my roommate that I was giving on these like one-on-one -on -one sessions. I wanted to it to reach infinite amount of people through a business. And, you know, lo and behold, my business mentors were like, yeah, that's a scalable business, Jill. <laughs> 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 you know? So, uh, you know, so I, but I didn't know how to do it. I had no idea, you know, like many things in my life, I just like figured it out as I went along. I, I have no business degree. I have no training in business. I just knew that I wanted to take the knowledge um, that I saw 
shifting people's lives and give it to as many people as I possibly could. And in doing that, you know, really free myself to, to travel, to, to have a little bit of a freer life as well. You know, that was a big part of, of me. Um, you know, I, I now of course, like live in one place. I have a family, I have a child. Um, but I realized that like, I didn't want to be beholden to living in LA or driving around right. LA teaching yoga. And so I wanted some freedom with it. You know, it was kind of like, how, you know, those are my, my two goals. Like I want freedom. I want to be able to do it from anywhere. And I want to um, give my knowledge to as many people as I can. You know, I want to, I want to teach people and, you know, I have this written down on this like post note from 10 years ago. I want to teach people how to trust their intuition and to lead their life by it. Oh. Um, and that's, you know, a huge, huge, and as many people as I possibly can. So. I love that. I love that. So for somebody who's in a similar position right now, maybe they've started something, but they're looking to scale it. What would be the best advice you could give them that you wish you'd known back then? Think bigger. I think, mm. think bigger. I think that um, so many people starting a business and I've seen it because I have a lot of friends who have businesses. They, they keep themselves small. They don't think big enough. And I had to like adjust on the fly. But when I started my business, like I had I had no plan in place for the growth that we experienced the first year. And I had to literally run and to keep up with the business to to do things like figure out how to print more workbooks. You know, I had to find a printer that could deal with our demand. I had to find a fulfillment center. I had to um, hire more people. I had to get an office space. Like, and and for and I mean, still to this day, honestly, it hasn't stopped. But really, like the first year or two, I mean, I just was like flying at the seat of my pants. I had no <laughs> no growth plan <laughs> because when I started, I didn't think I didn't think big enough. And that would be my advice to people who are starting out in a business who are creating something that's scalable. Like, think about that word, scalable, and it's infinite. You know, and and find products and create products that can be scaled infinitely and then and then plan plan for that growth um so that that you can that you can take advantage of it so that you can really um really lean into that growth instead of shying away from it because i think a lot of people who don't have the confidence for it like I am for some reason, one of those people that's just like, I'm going to trust my intuition. I'm going to make snap decisions. It takes me seconds to make a decision, you know? And so there needs to be a certain amount of confidence. And if a person doesn't have that kind of confidence in themselves and isn't comfortable with like figuring it out on the fly, it can be really hindering to not have like a growth plan in place uh, when starting out and when experiencing it. Yeah, it kind of seems like a theme of this interview is just knowing yourself is half of the battle. And once you know yourself, you can make really good decisions. But until you kind of have that foundation of who you are and how you function, it's difficult to do. For those that don't know, I'm wondering, because, you know, there's some people listening to this who probably think like, ah, astrology, I've heard of it. Like I read my horoscope in Cosmo, but they don't really know the nitty gritty of it. Could you just do like a bare bones description of what the sun, moon, and rising sign are and how we can use those to guide our lives? Sure. Um, And so we all have a personal chart uh, when we were born and it's a picture of the sky. 
people think it's like this, you know, sort of abstract thing. It's literally a picture of the sky when you were born. That's your personal chart. And so that'll show you, um, you know, where your sun and your moon and your rising are. And you can, for those listening, there's so many apps and websites you can look this information up on, you know, and then we'll pull your chart and we'll tell you these things. It'll also show you where the rest of your planets are as well. Where your sun is, is basically where the sun was when you were born. So right now the sun is in Cancer. It's about to move into Leo. Um, and so a baby born today with the sun in Cancer, there, there'll be a Cancer sun. And, you know, the sun really represents our core personality. This is in many ways uh, what holds us together. Um, it's the center of, you know, our micro universe that is us. And so we can look to the sun um, to really get back in touch with ourselves when we feel lost. That's that's one of the most practical uses I've found for our sun sign. And your sun sign is, um, you know, what the horoscopes are based off. So when you read a horoscope in, in Cosmo, it's based off your sun sign. <laughs> It'll like give you a general prediction or, or whatever. But for, for me, what I found is it really can get you back in touch with who you are. And so astrology for me for the, and with the personal chart, it's, it, it helps you understand yourself and your strengths as well as your weaknesses. And I always say every sign has a low side and a high side. And once we really understand those things, we can begin to know ourselves on a deeper level, know, know how we can show up in the world and know what's going to hold us back. You know, the sun can t- t- tell you so much, your sun sign. So we, you always want to look at like, what are, what are the strengths of that sun sign? What are the weaknesses of that sun sign? And you can begin to know yourself and maybe they don't all resonate with you. That's fine. But it's just like, it, it's just a way to explore yourself. It's a way to understand and know yourself. And then it's also something to return. If you feel lost, if you feel like you lost yourself, you ended up on a path that, that you didn't belong or you want to jump off of, you can look to your son for some guidance and say, okay, what's going to help me feel like me again? You know, like, well, how, how am I going to feel like myself? And the sun can give you, give you some guidance. And I always say like, what's the harm in trying, you know, like what yeah. it, I understand that not everybody believes in astrology and, you know, there's part of me that, you know, I, I do have this background in research and there's definitely part of me that was like, where's the proof, you know? <laughs> I think healthy skepticism of anything is important. You know, even if you love it, even if you use it, if you're not constantly asking, is this true? Is this true for me? Then how can you really know you believe in it? Exactly. Exactly. You know, but it doesn't, it doesn't harm. It doesn't harm you to, I'm not into the prediction stuff, just FYI. I'm not into like the, cause right. I think that, I think that predictions when we read about that, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy and they actually can create some harm when you read about these like predictive fortune telling astrology, because I believe in the power of the human mind. And if we like read something, we're, we're, we're going to create it in our lives. Right. You know? so, but I think, you know, understanding um, your sun sign and, and looking at it and just, you know, asking like, okay, is, is that me? Like, do I have those tendencies? You know, can I shift away from some of these that aren't working for me? And can I embrace maybe some of these that will really help me? You know, is this going to help me understand myself better? And so that's really the sun sign, helping you understand yourself, your core, right? What holds you together. The moon signs where the moon was born, uh, moon was when you were born. And that is more of like a subtle emotional body. So the moon is said to rule the emotions. And, you know, when the moon is in a certain sign, we feel it in our emotional body. And so we can look to our moon sign to understand 
what fulfills our emotional needs. What are our emotional needs? And again, it's like, you know, just exploring, seeing if, if you know, what is written about these things resonates with you. Um, I write a lot about moon signs in the workbooks. I do moon scopes and I do, you know, a whole like understanding how, how you're affected through your moon sign, you know, by the new moon or full moon. And I, I really enjoy moon signs a lot. I think they're, they take a second role to sun signs, but I think they're just as important because they do tell us um, or they can to inform us about, you know, what we need or what fulfills us. Or if we're feeling sad or if we're feeling anxious or we're feeling frustrated, we can look to our moon for some advice. And we can kind of understand more of like the raw, the raw emotions. And a lot of times, like when we're experiencing those like raw emotions, like the more childlike emotions that aren't filtered by, you know, our maturity or our ego, um, we're dealing with, we're dealing with the moon, the core essence, you know, like when you have like an emotional outburst, you know, that's, that's your moon. And so we can really understand that. And usually if we do have an emotional outburst, it's, it's our moon trying, um, you know, can give us guidance on what are we not getting, right? Why are we having this emotional outburst? What needs of ours are not being fulfilled in this moment? The rising sign is also called your ascendant. And that is the sign that was rising in the horizon when you were born. It's a sexual constellation that was rising. And that is starts your entire chart. So that's a pretty important piece um, because it dictates your entire chart and how it will fall. Um, but the rising sign really is um, what we project to the world. So in many ways, it's the mask that we wear. Um, it can inform us on what we allow other people to see. And I always find it's really illuminating because we may not even realize we're doing this <laughs> until we read our, our rising sign. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, I do only allow people to see that side of me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it can bring about, it's all about building awareness, right? You know, in the astrology, when we understand our chart, it just builds our awareness, um, of ourselves and, and it can build that awareness of like, oh yeah, I really only let people see like the calm side of me or, you know, I, I really, you know, I use these things to define my identity to others, you know, and, and do they really match? Do they really match who I really am? I really, you know, portraying what I want to, to the world. Um, so we can look to our rising sign to understand um, how, how we want other people to think about us. Oh, that was an awesome comprehensive overview. Thank you. That really clarifies it. Of course, we're talking about creativity. So I'm wondering, is there a certain part of the chart that we can look to for clues about our creative journey or creative expression? Yeah, there's a few places you can look to. So the most creative signs um, of the Zodiac, I would say, are, are Taurus um, and Libra. You know, those are the artistic they're ruled by Venus. Um, and so those are the, the signs of the artist. And so if, if you have any planets uh, in those signs, um, you know, if you have your sun or your moon or your rising, you can look to see how they are informing or any other planets uh, in those signs. And then without going even deeper, we also have houses, which rule different areas of our life. And so we can really look at, in particular, the fifth house, which rules creativity. 
You can look at uh, what is in your fifth house, what sign governs that house, and if there's any planets in that house. The fifth sign is the, or the fifth house rules creativity, play, your inner child. So that's where you can really access um, that creativity you have had as a child, which you may have suppressed over the years. Um, so you really want to look within. We have 12 houses and they, they um, govern different areas of our lives. And so you really want to look and see what falls in that, in that fifth house. So within astrology or any of the other modalities you work in, is there anything we can actively do or look to to enhance our creative life? Like I always say, one of the goals of the podcast is to make creativity the filter for your life. Is there anything that you would suggest somebody look to within astrology or to help us enhance our creative centers? You know, I love working with the cycles of the moon. And so the moon uh, channels through all 12 signs over over a month um and so it spends about two and a half days in in the zodiac sign and i love working with um like when the moon like i just said taurus and libra so you know grab like a little app um you know that tells you the moon moon of the day or i usually tell um, people it on my instagram and when the moon's in libra and the moon's in taurus that's about five days out of out of a month work on your creativity you know, if you're if you're not somebody who works actively every day on their creativity, use the blueprint that the moon is giving us and say, okay, the moon is in Taurus today. I remember hearing that that enhances my creativity, especially in the emotional world. Let me see if I can make something with my hands today, or let me see if I can uh, write a piece of poetry. Um, same thing when the moon is in Libra, you know, I always say it's like time to feng shui your home, you know, and when <laughs> we're dealing with Libra, it's like, how can we make our environment more aesthetically pleasing? Maybe try, try painting, try, even if you're not a painter, or you, you've never taken a painting class, just like go for it, you know, moon's in Libra, I'm going, I'm going to paint. And you can kind of create like these little schedules in your life, especially if you're not a creative person. It's like, you know, moons in Libra every month, you know, every month while the moons in Libra, try painting a little, you know, and then eventually over the months, that creativity will filter into the rest of your life. And you won't have to be the moon in Libra for you to be painting or, you know, doing whatever other creative project you choose. It'll be every day. And obviously, like, you are an incredibly powerful manifester. It's just clear from your story. Do you have any tangible tips on things you do to manifest the things you visualize? I know you said intentions for every new moon. I'm sure that's part of it. But what do you tangibly do to start manifesting in your life? I meditate every day. And I think you probably listen to every podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> the biggest proponent of almost every question, you know, meditate every day. Any particular type of meditation that you practice? So I do Vipassana meditation, which is um, like a body scan meditation. It's the silent retreat. I don't know if you've heard about them. It's like you, oh. but you, you train in it. So it's traditional Vipassana training meditations. You go away for um, 10 days on silent retreat. You don't talk to anybody. And you're in a group of people and you meditate basically for, I don't know, 10 hours a day. And it starts as like the, well, it starts as a kind of a breath meditation, but then it expands to like a body scan, which I think has become a pretty popular type of meditation. This is where it originated. 
so that's my meditation. And, and before I do it, I say to myself every day, and I've said this to myself every day for years, I am open to receiving love and beauty. I am open to receiving my guidance and intuition. I am open to receiving wealth and abundance. I am open to receiving what I need to know today. Um, and, you know, I started doing that. I was like something really simple. And I think that that's really powerful to open, open yourself to receiving what, what you need to open yourself to, because these things that we want to manifest are out there. We're already connected to them, you know, not getting, not going down a rabbit hole of quantum physics, but like our energy is already connected to everything in the universe. So whatever you want, you already have, you just have to break down the barriers within you that prevent you from receiving it. And so that's like my biggest tip on, on manifesting is open yourself to receiving uh, wh- what it is you want, what it is that you you need to feel into your soul's purpose. Open yourself to receiving what your soul's purpose is if you don't know. You know, you can also open yourself in that way. You know, trust trust that it will come to you. I love when you were saying that because when you were talking about it, I got this visualization of this like kind of like vortex of energy, like a circular vortex going up to the sky. And then whatever you want, just kind of like pouring down to right. you. And yeah. I think, yeah, it's, that is such a powerful thing. Also, I love your voice so much. I could listen to you just say literally anything for hours a day. You've made me feel so calm just talking to you. I, I can't thank you enough. Your voice is very powerful. Thank you. That's because my rising is in Libra. Oh, I love it. You have an amazing voice. So, okay. I want to talk about the new and full moon workbooks. These are a huge part of your business. They're incredible. Tell me about what they are and why did you start to make them and like what people will get out of them when they do them. I know we've talked a lot about the new moon, but like what is in the workbooks? I started making them to capture the new moon circles that I was teaching. I started teaching these new moon circles, you know, with my roommates, you know, we did it alone. And then we said, well, let's bring this to the world. She actually encouraged me and she was like, oh, you know, we've got to bring this to more people. And so we started doing public new moon circles and they included you know, a little chat about the astrology of the night because the, the new moon is always in a, a sign, always in a zodiac sign. Um, so we have the new moon in Cancer coming up uh, this Monday. And so there's a little chat. Um, there's like, what does the new moon mean? What does it mean in the sign that's in this month? You know, here's some yoga to help you align with the energy of the night. Uh, here's a meditation that will help you calm yourself and align with the energy of the zodiac. And then here are some journaling prompts to provoke some thoughts. And, um, you know, we're all going to write our intentions, share our journaling prompts, and uh, write some affirmations. And we just, you know, every month we saw this changing people's lives, changing our own lives, changing people's lives. And it was a meditation one day and I had this idea to take the circle that we were doing and create it, make it into a book, make it into a workbook um, that had all those components. So that's what's in there, um, including like crystals for the sign, um, you know, and then I expanded like tips to understand the entire season's energy and I wanted to make it into this workbook that most people could afford. I understand that everybody can afford it, but I wanted to make it as affordable as possible so it could reach as many people um, as possible, infinitely scalable product, you know, to get to get out into the world. 
and I wanted to make it digitally and I wanted to make it in print. And I had this very clear vision, take, take the circles, take the magic, put it in a book, send it out to the world. And that's what the workbooks are. And so they are basically your own new moon circle or full moon circle in a workbook. You can do them anywhere. You can gather your community. Everything you need to harness the magic of the new moon and the full moon is in the workbook. And you can gather your friends. You can be anywhere in the world. And you can you can have have this magic for yourself. And you can change your life month over month over month over month. And create create any life that you want following following the script of the moon. And it really is affordable. It's under ten dollars. Is that correct? Yeah. So the subscription yeah. is eight. Um, That's eight dollars a month. Yeah. And that means yeah. you get a monthly new workbook so that you can do this every month and make it a real practice and a ritual. Right. Speaking of price, I think that this is an important thing to touch upon for creatives because I think a lot of people in general struggle with figuring out, first of all, how to ask for money um, when when they do have a product or service. But then once they get comfortable with asking for money, with figuring out how to set their price, how did you go about setting your price? And what's your advice for other people who are experiencing any sort of discomfort with setting a price? You know, I've dealt with this in two ways. So I dealt with this when I was teaching yoga and teaching privates. And in that scenario, I was very limited by my time, right? So I could only do X amount of sessions a week. And so um, I was very uncomfortable setting a higher price until a mentor of mine came to me and said, you, you need to set a higher price. Your time is more valuable than what you're asking for. Mm. And, you know, it's a self-worth issue. And, you know, she said, go deal with your self-worth. And um, I remember at the time, <laughs> she was just like, great yoga teacher teaching retreats. And she was like, I don't even get off my couch for less than 10 grand to go on these retreats. And I just remember that, like, just being like, oh, my gosh, you're kidding me. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> yeah, no, she's great. And, um, <laughs> and you know, I, I remember just having to work for months on my self-worth and understanding what I was really worth. And then, you know, put raising my price and being uncomfortable with raising my price, but then seeing how people gladly paid it. And, um, you know, and that would became this like cycle of my, you know, I worked on my self-worth and I asked for more money and people gladly paid it. I worked on my self-worth. I asked, you know, and so it really was tied to, for me, to my self-worth. And I think for a lot of people just, you know, doing the work, um, on self-worth is really important. When the moon's in Virgo and Taurus, it's an excellent time to work on your self-worth. Just FYI. Ooh, great yeah. tip. <laughs> yes. Let's get that worth, honey. Yeah. I was going to yeah. ask you too, because you mentioned the next one coming up is in cancer. Like if we do have cancer in our chart, for instance, I'm cancer rising. Does it affect us more heavily if we have cancer in our chart? It can. Yeah, absolutely. It can. Um, it, it definitely affects you because it passes through, it sort of activates when the moon is passing through cancer in current time, it activates that part of your chart. And so if it's a, if it's a um, more heavily amplified part of your chart, like it's arising or your sun is there, you will feel it more intensely because it, it activates, it's going to activate your first house. It's going to activate your sense of identity. 
And so like for you, um, you know, this new moon in cancer is really going to be about your identity and how you present yourself to the world and how you feel because cancer is about feeling, how you feel about the person you're presenting to the world. Oh, so yeah, it's basically if we're aware of it, then we're good. But if we're not, and we're just like letting it take us for a ride, that's when things can probably get messy, right? Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, there's like, there's two directions. There's like, you can be aware of it. And you can look at it objectively. And you can say, okay, how can I work with this energy? Um, Or, you know, it can kind of blindside you, and you're not aware of it. And then you end up, you know, feeling intense or not sleeping, as I always get tons of questions in the full moon, like, why am I not sleeping? It's like, well, we've you know, we've got to work here, <laughs> um, you know, or, you know, blindsides you and, and especially the cancer moon, because it can be very emotional. You know, you might find yourself like crying all day. I'm like, why am I crying all day? <laughs> so, it's the moon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've talked a lot about the child self, the younger self, honoring your full self, embodying. And I really believe that creativity is deeply connected to our inner child. And so... I'm curious if you and a younger version of yourself were standing in the same room and looking at each other, what do you think that younger you would say to you now and why? I think she'd be really proud of me now. Uh, I think that, I, I mean, I can see her and she's like, you, you, I'm proud of you. You've, you've turned it around. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I was a very creative child, and I suppressed that for a long time, um, and then I did turn it around, and I and I now I think my life now honors her, and mm-hmm. honors who I was as a child, and honors that part of me um, that is that is innocent and is unencumbered by expectations of society, um, because that's really what children are. They're just pure, you know. They're pure. Um, they haven't, you know, dealt with expectations. They haven't dealt with what they should do or supposed to do. And, um, I feel like I, it took me a long time to get back there, but I, I got back there. And what would you say to her and why? I would say to her, just bear with me. <laughs> just <laughs> just bear it with me, dude. You know, I have a plan. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go through a lot of stuff and it's all going to make sense one day. I know that it's not going to make sense sometimes, but it's all going to make all the pieces are going to come together. Even though they seem totally far apart, they're all going to come back together. So just bear with me. (laughs) Beautiful. That's amazing. And you are so great. Thank you for your incredible voice, your incredible insight and your time and for being on Unleash Your Inner Creative. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening and to my guest, Jill Winterstein. Check out her website at spiritdaughter.com. You can get her moon workbooks there. And she also has a ton of other cool things from crystals to yoga mats. Check it out. Keep up with her on Facebook and Instagram at Spirit Daughter. And you can subscribe to her YouTube channel at youtube.com slash spiritdaughter for weekly updates about astrology, the moon phases, and so much more. Thanks to Liz Full for writing the show's theme music. You can follow her at Liz Full. Also, 
There is a new podcast out that I'm producing that I'm just such a fan of. I love the two hosts of the show. They're just not only incredible talents, but wonderful people. I'd really love it if you'd go support them, subscribe, rate, and review their podcast. The first episode was out yesterday, and it's just hilarious. It's called She Rates Dogs. It is hilarious, helpful, and will help you feel less alone. So definitely check that out. And again, one more time, thank you. If you liked what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show on Spotify. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. My wish for you this week is that you are also brave enough to choose yourself, even in the face of adversity. I love you. I believe in you. And I will talk with you soon. Have a great day.